0: Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.
1: Now with speed is Kadri in over the lawn. Dishes, Chris shot,
2: score, three nothing. Ransom in the finish. The setup from of Kadri. Well, that was an avalanche. Colorado all over the Oilers tonight in Game 2 of the West Final. The Avs take it 4-0, and they lead the best of 7, 2-0, coming back to Edmonton for Game 3 on Saturday night. Colorado taking control of the game with three goals in 2 4 in the second period. Nathan McKinnon added a late power play goal as the Oilers took multiple penalties late in the game with it out of hand, and obviously frustration mounting Nazem big night he has three assists pavel francos in for the injured darcy kemper a fairly routine 24 saves for his second career playoff shutout thanks a lot for joining us it is 909 hartland ford overtime open line along with rob brown i'm reed wilkins rob sometimes a team might score two or three goals in rapid succession and then you look back on the game and say you know what that was an even game but they owned two or three minutes well, tonight the Avs got three goals in 2:04, but that's not what decided the game. Decided this game, they were all over Edmonton pretty much all night. They just happened to get those goals in that quick sequence, but uh, numerous other opportunities, and uh, Edmonton didn't have a lot going at the other end.
3: No, no, they didn't. Uh, this was a game that 10 minutes into it, Colorado should have been up a couple. Uh, they had a five-on-three that they didn't take advantage of. Edmonton had its best stretch at the end of the first period. Uh, they weren't able to capitalize, and after that, it was all Colorado. Uh, I, I knew coming into this series that the Colorado Avalanche were a fast hockey club, uh, and everyone talked about it. I didn't realize how fast, and from top to bottom, and on the back end, and it was races everywhere, and it was uh, forecheck and not giving the Oilers time to make decisions, and the the defenders, you know, backtracking on Connor McDavid and attacking him. These are things that have just made life very difficult for this Oiler team. They have no time to think to make a play. In the first 10 minutes, 12 minutes of this game, that might have been the fastest hockey game I'd ever seen. It was just, it was mistake gone, mistake gone. And they're just going back and forth. And uh, there's some players that are methodical when they play. They like to see everything before them, before they make the decision Uh, you can't do that uh, in this series and the colorado avalanche are a better team at that thus far in the series and they've adapted quicker and the edmonton oilers are in a two nothing hole and leaving colorado can't sit there and say you know what we're just unlucky The, the the oilers are lucky this is going back to edmonton right now because colorado has absolutely dominated the first six periods of this series
2: yeah eight six in game one four nothing tonight and rob Of course turnovers are are key to any game and and not turning the puck over. And You and I often talk about if you're the team exiting your own zone, you you don't want to turn it over around your own blue line, certainly not right inside the blue line because then the team doesn't even have to tag up to be onside. And then even then, you, you know, those few feet, once you cross your own blue line, be careful there because then, you know, the team can transition it. I, I would say for Colorado, that extends all the way down to the top of their circles. I, I mean, first of all, Edmonton, again, wasn't good enough in the neutral zone, and Colorado is. But even times, the Oilers, it looked like they might get a forecheck going, and the puck didn't get deep enough. The Avalanche can get going r- right from, like I said, basically from the top of their own slot. They can whip it up the ice and get going like like other teams can do. But on the other half of center, they're doing it from almost deep in their
3: own end and just flying. They're waiting for that opportunity. It's funny, there's a lot of teams that play a trap and they wait and wait and wait and then eventually you turn the puck over and they try to pounce on it. Uh, the Avalanche don't play a trap, but they play the same sort of style where as soon as the turnover happens, they're gone. They're, they're they're leaving the zone, they're taking off and they got Taves and they got McCarr and they got Byron, who are all fantastic skaters and even a Manson jumping up in the play and they're beating the Oilers uh, four checkers back, and they're turning two on twos into three on twos, or even four on twos, and it's all because when you turn a puck over, if I'm skating up the wing, if I'm the right winger and I'm skating up, and my centerman has it, and it looks like he's going to dump it in, I put my head down and I start taking off. I'm going to win that race to the corner. If he doesn't get it in my corner, and the defenseman stops it and pushes it up, the defenseman know that know that the puck is turned over. He's transitioning. I have a, a second or two where I'm like, okay, where's the puck? And I look, am I now? It's too late. I'm chasing. So the guy that has the puck on a stick, he has to make sure the puck gets in deep. Because if he doesn't, you're in trouble. The other team will have numbers. And it's happened numerous times in this series so far. And it has cost the Oilers. But with a number of goals where the Colorado Avalanche have got talent top to bottom, that if they get odd man breaks, they're going to make you pay.
2: Yeah, a lot of pressure on the Oilers in this series. Now, they haven't lost a home game, but it's, it's pretty huge coming back here for game three. Down 2 nothing to this team. No team is, is perfect, but the Oilers are going to have to cut down on the mistakes. And I, and I, and I think we saw some frustration tonight, Rob. Um, you know, clearly the Oilers running around late in the game, just taking aggressive, somewhat foolish penalties. Uh, you know, a too-many-men penalty where the player going off uh, off the ice touches the puck. You know, that's just a lack of concentration. Zach Cassian sitting on the bench. I'm not sure why Byram got a penalty there. No,
3: that was a bad I mean, call. Like, yeah. You know, well, the, the frustration and silly. Uh, there, So they got the too many men penalty. There was another time earlier in the game, it was short. The Oilers were shorthanded, and McKinnon was carrying the puck up, and an Oiler jumped on the ice probably about 15 feet too early and stopped McKinnon from getting across the building. That was too many men on the ice as well. Yeah, Cassian on the bench. That. I mean, that's a penalty all day long, and Byron shouldn't have got one. It should have been a power play for for the Avalanche on that one. Uh, but the frustration came in, and you don't like seeing that because you start thinking the other way. Well, what if the Oilers are down or, or, or winning, and all of a sudden, Manson's going around punching McDavid in the head or elbowing Leon. Uh, I know that it happens, but it's something that you wish wasn't part of the game. Having said that, the Colorado Avalanche uh, have figured out what they need to do against the Edmonton Oilers. And they've done it. Now the Edmonton Oilers have to come back, regroup, and win a game. The the series is far from over. Um, The Oilers have yet to play a home game. Having said that, the Edmonton Oilers, now the stress is on them. You do not want to lose one of the next two games and then have to win at least, or have to win two games in Colorado best of three, you'd have to win all three. The the Oilers need to win one of these next, or need to win both the next two games. It starts with game three, but to do that, they have to be better from top to bottom. The Colorado Avalanche best players have outplayed the Edmonton Oilers best players. And tonight, Colorado Avalanche's backup goaltender was the better of the two goalies. So uh, there's there's room for improvement. There's room for improvement for the Edmonton Oilers, and hopefully they find that before... uh, before game restart. I
2: actually thought Smith played pretty well and no, I he, he I, did. I don't want to sound like I'm discrediting a shutout but this was this you know, was he, as routine a 24 saves as I think a goalie could have.
3: It was. He made a couple saves. There was the the one on Nurse, where Nurse had a breakaway. That was a big save. There was the one timer from Leon settle. He got across and got his shoulder on it. So, it wasn't uh he, he wasn't tested a lot, but in a in a game that for the longest time was was close. Uh, the stress level of some someone coming in as a backup and, all right, we need you to go out and play against uh, one of the, well, the two best players in the NHL who are on fire right now. We need you to not make a mistake. And he didn't. So yeah, Smith was good. The Avalanche goaltender was better.
2: Uh, we'll give Smith the fourth star because we usually give it to an Oiler for Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, head to sentinel.ca. François was picked as the first star in the arena. Caudry, great game, second star. Lekkanen, uh liked him with Montreal last year in the playoffs and liking him again here with the uh, Avalanche. Those were the three stars. 4 nothing. the Avalanche cruise to victory. Back to Denver, here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft on the
4: on the five on three but but what what changed in the second what happened in that two minute four second stretch it was really you the know difference.
5: what i thought it was a really competitive uh first period i i thought we laid it on the line especially finding ourselves down uh shorthanded like you said six minutes i think in the first period um you know i thought we pushed back we generated some offense and um you know, like you said, that that little uh, span in the second period uh, really hurt us, took uh, the wind out of our sails, um, and we weren't able to generate what we wanted to generate as the game wore on. Left side, Frank.
6: Jay, your team's bread has been buttered all year off the rush. Can you pinpoint why you haven't been able to generate as much so far in these first two games?
5: Well, I think we've had some chances, not as much as we'd like. but. It's uh, we're in the final four. The other team does some good stuff too, and and uh, but we think uh, there's more to be had there. We can do a better job of shooting the puck, shooting through structure, and um, tonight it didn't didn't go our way. But uh, you know we'll we'll go back to the drawing board, and we're prepared to regroup and and uh, head home uh, to friendly confines in Edmonton. Right side, Gene. Um, Connor was just talking about how when, when they score, that seems like that next, like it's almost like they're not satisfied. They want to come
7: back and score again. Mm-hmm. And he was just sort of discussing kind of handling that. How you, you know that they're not sort of giving in or giving up? How do you? and work that so that they don't have those little
5: momentum swings? Well I think it starts it starts with the shift after goal whether we score the goal or whether the other team scores the goal it's an important shift that next shift so the ability to win the face off to establish a four check uh, and then there's just little things that go into some of the the chances that we give up. In the middle Ryan.
7: Uh, Connor said he probably isn't playing his best game right now uh, we saw so much production from him and Leon what are you seeing through two games Uh, And in particular tonight from your top couple of guys here.
5: Well, uh, we did some things to move the chess pieces around and I I wouldn't point to one or two people. I would point to our team. We didn't do enough uh, to make it hard on the opposing goaltender. Um, We had some chances, but not nearly enough. Not at this time of year. Right side. Uh, uh Yeah.
1: what did you make of the hit on Yamamoto, and do you have an update on Yamamoto?
5: On the Landis Cog hit on Yamamoto? Yeah. Um, I thought uh, a player was in a vulnerable position. I thought the angle of the uh, check uh, and the principal point of contact was the head. It's not my call, I don't, I don't referee the games, I've said this ad nauseum in the playoffs, my job's to coach and not, not to make the calls. I'm sure the necessary people at the league will look at that hit.
4: Okay, I'm sure. You know, it seems like Darnell's dealing with something, but how do you assess his his game right now? Where, where He's Darnell has us
5: everything he has, He's given us everything he has. He's a true warrior, and um, you know, as a team, we can be better.
6: Left side, Daniel.
5: In the middle, Ryan.
7: I think Nathan McKinnon had 11 shots on you guys tonight. Uh, when he gets going, he looks tough to stop. What do you need to do to try and, and get in this
5: guy's way a little bit? Yeah, I actually thought the cadre line was the one that was more productive for them. Um, that's not, not taking anything away from 29's uh, shots on net total. Um, you know, It would be interesting to see how many of those were on the power play. We were short seven times.
8: Jay, is the most disturbing thing that the, the goals that you gave up were self-inflicted? In the second period
5: no I think the thing that we're worried about is the fact that we didn't win the game tonight Um, but as I said we've come to uh, a building on the road we didn't win now it's on us to go home regroup um, clearly look at the things that we can get better at and uh, go out and execute on home ice any more questions for coach thanks guys thanks coach
2: Okay, that's Jay Woodcroft. After the Oilers are throttled for nothing by the Avalanche in Game Two tonight, Rob, I just found a, a video here. Uh, Landeskog on Yamamoto. I, I don't think the principal point of contact was the head. I don't have a good slow motion. There there was head contact. Uh, Landeskog is obviously taller than Yamamoto. I I don't think it was the principal point of contact. Contact. It's probably going to get looked at simply because Yamamoto left the game with an injury. Uh, yeah,
3: it'll certainly get looked at. Uh, honestly, I've I've only seen it on on the the original on TV because they didn't really show a whole lot of replays of it. So I can't really comment whether he's suspended or not, or if there's a fine or not. Um, but it is a, a loss for the Oilers if Yamamoto is unable to play next game. Uh, whether whatever happens with Landeskog, nonetheless, Yamamoto has become a big part of this Oiler team, and that's a top six player if he's unable to play. So hopefully it was just precautionary and he's able to get back into the lineup for game three because it, it's already a longer road to come back in this series they need to win four of the next five it becomes a little bit tougher when you're missing one of your top six players
2: yeah i mean again i mean yamamoto's one of if not the shortest player in the league uh i mean and he's it's almost bent like, over too and it's almost it's basically looks like it's more like Landeskog's rib cage is going into Yamamoto's shoulder, and then in the process of Landeskog following through the hit, hit, there is the shoulder to the head as well. The the thing that might work against Landeskog is that they may rule Yamamoto was in a vulnerable position because he's reaching for the puck, bent over, and Landeskog kind of comes in from the side. So I don't know. I, I don't know how they'll look at that.
3: Well. we'll see. I've, I haven't been very good with the predictions on the NHL the last couple of games, so I will just leave it and <laughs> accept whatever they decide. Yeah.
2: Hopefully Yamamoto's okay. Uh, he did he, uh, did not return to the game. He did play after that.
3: He did, but usually that when you get your bell rung, you usually try to go back out, and then it's like you might be a little foggy, and when you tell the, the, the trainer that you're foggy, Then the trainer tells the coach, and then you don't play no more. So to me, it's probably precautionary, and and then we'll see what he's like in a couple of days. Some days you wake up and feel better, and unfortunately some days you wake up and you feel worse, and that'll... That'll dictate where you when you see Yamamoto next.
2: Whenever the Oilers do score a goal, it's a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. The total for the playoffs is $5,800. The Oilers blank tonight. 4 nothing by the Avalanche. More postgame reaction coming, and your reaction as well at 780-496-0063 that's the hotline presented by Teed, the pro's choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling system CertainTeed pro all the way back in a couple of minutes Heartland Ford overtime open line
0: Boilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers this is the Heartland Ford overtime open line here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chair.
2: Of Colorado, here's Lacken and down the middle for Rantan and left circle, wrist shot, save, Smith. Rebound, shovel toward the net, but unable to finish. All right, that's Mike Smith. Save the game for Reface Magic. Save money on your kitchen renovation. Don't replace, Reface. Smith stops 36 out of 40. Franco stops 24 to 24. Avalanche crushed the Oilers 4-0 tonight to go up 2-0 in the best-of-seven Western Conference final. The East... Final resumes tomorrow. Rangers are up one game to nothing there. WHL Championship Series starts here at Rogers Place tomorrow night at 7. Oil Kings against Seattle. The NBA Finals underway tonight. The Celtics win on the road 102-108 over the Warriors. Uh, Blue Jays one eight three 8-3 over the White Sox. That is the Edmonton Trailer scoreboard. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers? Head to edmontontrailer.com. Rob, I'm wondering... Because often the Oilers in the last three years or so, they've been kind of had the reputation as a team that can score a lot off the rush and maybe doesn't cycle the puck as well, though I think they've added players to improve that this year. I I feel like in this series, uh, the Oilers would sooner turn it into a cycle game and the Avalanche would sooner have it as a rush game.
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, The Avs are are fantastic off the rush because their speed allows them to have odd man breaks. Uh, they got defensemen that jump up as quick as they can. There's no hesitation. And they've got defensemen that are jumping up that know what to do with the puck when they get it. Uh, They're skilled up front that uh, when they get the odd man break, uh, they're making pretty plays. And you even saw it on their, their power play a few times tonight. They're not just trying to go in and set up they're getting across the blue line and they're looking to attack right from the beginning. The one thing that they're very good at going the other way is backtracking. When Connor's winding it up and coming up with speed, he's being chased by one player as the, the defenseman is now sizing him up and trying to push him to a certain area. So Connor doesn't have the, the time and space to make the plays that he's normally getting. And the Colorado avalanche, they're not getting caught with a, a player or two down deep that's allowing a Barry or a Nurse or a Bouchard to jump up and make it an odd man rush. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, a track meet is what we saw in the first game. A track meet is what we saw for most of the first period. And the Colorado Avalanche are probably the only team that we've seen this year that actually are capable of running with the Oilers and actually being better with the than the Oilers are. So uh, I think the Oilers may want to chart, start to... Think about getting pucks in deep, trying to wear the avalanche defensemen down because the avalanche right now are not spending a whole lot of time in their own zone. And that really is hurting what the others are capable of doing.
2: Yeah. Easier said than done, though, when you have fast defensemen who can pass the puck and car- or carry the puck out to get it up the ice.
3: Oh, 100%. Uh, they're looking to make plays every time they get the puck. Uh, that we-, we talk a lot about McCarr and Taze, and they are excellent. Like, what a trade getting... Devin Taves, but another player that doesn't get as much hype is Bowen Byron. I mean, he's a, a young kid that's had some injury issues, but what a nice player he is. His ability to transport the puck, to make plays, to jump up. And then the thing when you have great skating defensemen, and well, the Oilers probably know, Oilers fans know more than anyone when we had a guy named Coffee here, that when they get up in the rush and the puck gets turned over or the rush is dead, those players are capable of getting back. So you're not left with odd man breaks. So McCarr gets back, Byron, Taves. And that's what separates, you know, good offensive defensemen and great ones. Guys that can create a play yet still be good enough to get back defensively and not allow an odd man break going the other way.
2: Okay, the Avalanche take it 4 nothing. Here are Tyson Berry and Connor McDavid
7: uh connor you guys got through the first in in reasonable shape but w- what do you think happened there during that stretch in the second where they they got the three on you um yeah
9: i mean they found uh they found a way to break through um we didn't you know um yeah they found a way to uh to break through
7: questions gene on the right uh tyson uh, first period you guys had that long uh five on three you killed it <coughs> off and did you kind of feel like the first period was especially on the road against a team like this you kind of want to escape and that you would be able to sort of build from there as the game progressed
10: yeah i thought we played a good first i think we got in a little penalty trouble we did a good job killing it off and you know there's just a um a bit of a stretch in the second there where we kind of you know they got one and then we compounded they got that they got two they got three and that's uh you know that's momentum that's how this team rolls but we've got to do a better job at, you know when they do get one we got to stop the bleeding and you know, we can't compound and, and let it, you know, spiral out of control like that for the couple minutes that it did. Right side mark.
11: Uh,
7: that's what I would ask Connor. Is this Colorado team's done what other teams haven't done to you? They don't just score once, you score twice, they score three times. They they grab a hold of a game for a period where it gets completely out of control. Zero. You know, is there something you see that you can stop that spin cycle?
9: Like Tice, Tice mentioned, um, you know they definitely feed off momentum. Um, you know they find ways to uh, to compound one and, and and turn it into three there. Um, obviously it's on us to uh, to uh, to grab that. You know, um, seems like shift after goals, either for or against, um, have hurt us over the last couple of games. And um, the shift after, um, um, you know, they find uh, they find a way to score right after. So. Um,
12: Stay on the right, Connor. Your team was uh, only able to generate 11 shots in the final two periods. Can you talk about what the Colorado Avalanche were doing in order to kind of stymie any chances that you had?
9: Yeah, they played a solid game. Um, yeah, they played a uh, they played a good game. Back metal, Josh uh, Connor. What do you what do you guys have to do to, to turn
4: this thing around and dig your, your, yourselves out of this hole heading home?
9: Yeah, um, you know we've we've been a real solid home team. Um, for the last little while, um, and we love playing in front of those fans, and um, we'll get ourselves back in the series uh, at home here.
6: Connor, you guys have been an opportunistic team all year. Why do you think you haven't been able to generate as much off the rush in these first two games?
9: Um, yeah, they got good players. Uh, they got good D men. Um, we haven't had a ton of chances off the rush. Um, you know, uh, we got to find a way to create off the off the forecheck and. Yeah, yeah, off uh off all his own play um you know they do a lot of good things and we got to find uh find a way to uh to figure them out
7: one of the traits tyson of your team this last uh, month and a half has been when you get some adversity you jump back and have a good game 130 foot goal you turn it around real quick that didn't happen after game one what uh do you have that in you? i guess for game three here pretty yeah, important
10: yeah yeah absolutely we're down two heading heading back to a rink that uh we love playing in and. You know, you guys have seen how how excited the city in Edmonton is and we'll be uh, we'll be ready to put forth our best effort and a big bounce back in front of a, a crazy building. And um, we're certainly, uh, you know, we're not counting ourselves out of this when we get a lot of hockey left to play. We have time for two more, Ryan in the middle.
7: Connor, just uh, in terms of the time and space that you don't seem to have out there, what are they doing that's maybe taking that away from you? And you know, just maybe assess how it's been out there for you in this series compared to, to before. Um.
9: Yeah, I mean, uh, probably haven't been at the at the the top of my game here. Um, you know, they've they've done a good job of uh, limiting chances and stuff like that. And, um.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's Connor McDavid and Tyson Berry as the Oilers are blanked for nothing by the Avalanche, second time in the playoffs. The Oilers have been shut out. They also lost 4 nothing to Los Angeles in Game 4 of that series back on May 8th. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. I don't know if either guy said anything overly revealing there, Rob. I mean, kind of uh, <laughs> stating the obvious to some extent. Uh, a couple of things. Sometimes after a game, maybe the, the players haven't quite analyzed what hit them and also maybe if they are figuring some things out and maybe they don't want to reveal them i don't know what do you well,
3: think that mainly frustrated uh, tyson berry seemed a little more animated and, and willing to talk i think connor connor sounded frustrated his body language at parts of the game looked frustrated i mean it, you just went through a series against a, a very good calgary team where you you did whatever you wanted at any time in the game i mean the average what have, goals a game yeah and, and and could have had more. <laughs> I mean, it, it was dominating and they've come into a series with such high expectations and they've run into a very good hockey club that has limited those chances. So, uh I have a feeling and it's it's funny in my mind right now I'm just picturing game number 3 and I'm just seeing like Connor in the first shift going out there and trying something special just to try to change things around, get things going in the right direction. But Colorado's done a good job and it's funny before this series started and this series is not over. It's not even close before the series started. I thought the Oilers would match up better against Colorado than they would against St. Louis blues. But after watching Colorado play two games, I'm thinking this is the type of series that I think the Oilers would be good in, but they possibly through two games have played against a team that actually plays that type of game better. And through two games that Colorado avalanche have, and the Oilers now have to go and, and and tweak some things and and see where they are for for the next game not a not a must win but it would be a you really need to win game three to give yourselves an opportunity to move on to the stanley cup finals
2: yeah definitely we'll uh look forward to the adjustments of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line Oilers lose four nothing to the avs who lead the series two nothing okay you'll hear from kulak and hyman and we'll get to some of your phone calls in a couple of minutes on heartland ford overtime open line
0: Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
2: Colorado 4, Edmonton nothing in game two of the West Final. TSN's Darren Drager has just posted this on Twitter. Department of Player Safety looks at everything, but I doubt Landeskog's hit on Yamamoto invites discipline. Landeskog appears to go through Yamamoto's shoulder, which makes the head contact unavoidable. Size difference also a factor here, but it's easy to understand why the Oilers would be upset. Uh, Rob, I doubt Darren Dreger is posting that, unless he probably has already spoken to someone who's (laughs) indicated to him uh, that that's probably what's going to happen.
3: Yeah, I, they usually have someone on Speed Dial and they they're 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 true insiders when it comes to the National Hockey League. Again, I in real speed it looked like a a, a strong hit. It didn't look dirty, but I've yet to see a replay, so I would just be guessing. So I, I hope Yamamoto's back and that's the last we have to talk about. it.
2: So 4-0, nothing. It is under the eight and a half total goals. I set the line for Rivercree Resort and Casino. Excitement bet on it. Scott took the under. He gets the $50 Cree Resort and Casino gift card. We'll go to the certainty Hotline. Alex has called in tonight. Hi, Alex. Go ahead.
8: Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Well, I know Colorado's playing with a lot of confidence, and I tell you what, I'd be playing with a lot of confidence too, knowing that there's a couple of injured players on the other team. And, um, you know, at this point, I think you got to roll the dice. I wouldn't roll the dice when they're down 3 nothing. And, Nurse, uh, what is the injury? What's the big secret anyway? I mean, it doesn't matter well, it's at been this s- point. The other-
2: it's, been re- it's been reported that it's a, a core injury that's probably going to re-
3: require surgery when the season is over. Usually, usually that means something like a sports, her- sports hernia. That's usually what it means.
8: There but we go. The team- Let's stop it. Let, let, me, let me start this right now. If I am play, uh, working in my profession with an injured co-worker, I don't want him working with me. If he's got an injury that requires surgery, okay, and we're looking at – I'm watching nurse play, and he can't even make a simple play, and uh, he is no threat on the ice. The other team has got a lot of confidence playing this, uh, against this guy Get him out of there. Get someone else there. Get Russell and Broberg or whatever. And also, I'd love to see Holloway get in there, too. you got to fight speed with speed. you got to do something to sway this team's confidence. And you have to roll the dice in this moment. Hey, Maybe Hollywood will be the, the new Pisani. We don't know that. But there is no way the Oilers are going to win the next four out of five with their current lineup. And the team is just loving that nurses playing 20-plus minutes a game injured. I'm, you know what? I'm not mad. Uh, I am a little bit mad because you got to do something here. Okay? I know darn well. If uh, Rob, I want to hear what you have to say when – you've knowing that you're playing against other teams that have two or three injured players okay especially guys are important yeah. roles i'll get off the air how do you feel how would your confidence be wrong
2: thanks
3: alex well you you would go after those players uh the Oilers did that against the calgary flames they went after chris chris Tano every time they had a chance to they knew he was playing with numerous injuries and we found out afterwards that significant injuries where he needed surgery as well and the others were physical on him uh i would if i'm coaching I would have seven defensemen but Darnell nurse would be in the lineup he would I, I would have he's, he's a warrior he'd be in there if you're taking out injured players then you're taking out Leon Dreisaitl because he's injured too you can go through the Colorado Avalanche they probably have four guys injured uh, at the end of every playoffs it, it, it's kind of funny whenever a team loses out you know, two days later you find out about the seven guys that have to have surgery players play injured they always do and Darnell is not the same player that he normally is but he would be in the lineup Maybe in a different role. Maybe you go Kulak and Cc on home ice and try to match them up against uh, McKinnon. But Darnell Nurse would still be in the lineup. So I would I would go seven defenseman. I'd have Russell and or Roberg. Probably Russell just from the experience angle, and you can have him as a penalty killer, blocking shots. But I'd still have Nurse in the lineup. It's
2: interesting about Holloway because he, he might help the speed a little bit. Uh, obviously, a tough situation to throw the kid into, but he got Archibald playing five and a half minutes. Cassian plays 643, took a penalty well, and Reed, on the ice. What did
3: those guys play? playing those minutes, and probably a minute and a half to two and a half of those minutes came in garbage time. Right. So they're not playing at all when, when the game matters. So I, I, it's funny, we have a lot of people calling for Holloway. I mean, seriously, I've never seen him play. So, I I mean, he might be good. He might be good at this level, um, but I've never seen him play, so I can't really tell you what he's capable of doing. Having said that, there are players in the Oilers lineup that don't have the trust of the coaching staff to play in any situation that is significant. And Archibald and Cassian are two of them. Pooley, we got a little more ice time tonight, but Archibald and Cassian, they had probably three minutes to four minutes until the fourth goal and then they played two and a half minutes in the last part of the game so if you're going to put someone in it would be for one of those two guys because the coaching staff just doesn't see them as players that can make uh significant contributions through the entire 60 minutes
2: four nothing avalanche take it we also have fred on the certainty hotline hi fred go ahead Boys, you know what? You're not going to shut
13: down Saddle and McDavid next game. I tell you one thing, he come to Edmonton, Francois, when he hears this crowd all over him. Yeah, I can see we're going back to Denver, tied at 2-2. I want to see Nima Lyman in there, to be honest with you, never mind Russell or Broberg.
3: I don't think they're putting Nima the, Lyman in There's zero chance. chance. I think that's a non- You're not putting a kid who played in the American Hockey League most almost the entire season out against the fastest team in the National Hockey League. He might be able to hit, but is he capable of throwing the hit because the guys are coming so fast? There's zero chance he's playing. think so. No, zero. He, he wasn't good enough to play on this Oilers roster. He's, he's the, what would he be, the eighth, ninth player at best on their depth chart because both Russell and Broberg are ahead of him. So he's at ninth at best. I hope he, he turns into an NHL player. I really do, and I love what he does. He's physical. He's nasty. He's mean. But he's a guy that wasn't good enough to be in the top eight in the NHL. And the Colorado Avalanche possibly are the best team in the NHL. That's not a time to throw him in in the third round of the playoffs. It'll be Russell and/or Broberg that would step in if there was a defensive injury.
2: All right, we also have Rhonda on the line tonight. Hey, Rhonda, thanks a lot for calling. You're on with Robin Reed.
14: Hey, you guys. Um, I've decided that I'm going to be the spokesperson for social media tonight. And judging from Facebook and Instagram, um, not you guys aren't a huge fan of calling players out. I mean, even Woodcroft in his his uh, post-game comments was directly asked about nurse and his respond um, not verbatim was something like oh you know we all need to play better or something of the such i'm going to go out and call out darnell nurse he scares me when he's on the ice very nervous and you guys i know what you're going to say so i'll just leave it at that what are we going to say if you know what we're going to (laughs) say well you guys defend him you don't call him out he is scary he's hurt he well, were just I'll, talking I'll, I'll,
3: about him being hurt for two we, minutes. With we the talk, and ball. we also talked, he's not playing well. He, he's not playing like Darnell Nurse plays. That, it, that's, it, it's obvious.
14: And how but do you I just feel said, about,
3: they're not going to pull him out of the lineup.
14: I wish, you know what, put Russell in, it it, it can't get any worse. Even when he is not hurt, there are, there are a lot of times that I just, and a lot of other people just really can't stand to watch the guy anymore. And... How do you feel about um, Reed said yesterday on his six to eight show? The Oilers don't have, and many other teams don't have a Kale McCarr. Well, then tell me why are the Oilers about to pay Darnell Nurse nine point two five million dollars, like he's playing? Well, why? Around- why do he's you like think
2: they're going
3: to pay him that much?
14: Well, you guys say that that he's worth that. You guys say that they nope, built nope. a team around him.
3: No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. I've never said that he's worth that. I said my opinion on that. They have to overpay him because he was a guy playing 27 minutes a night, 26 minutes a night. If you let him walk for nothing, you now have to go and find a player that wants to come to Edmonton and play 26, 27 minutes a night and earn $10 million. That's, that's had- not easy to find someone that wants to come to Edmonton that's a player that's that good. So that's why the yeah. Oilers overpaid him. He's He is going to make more than he probably should, but the Oilers had to overpay him to make sure they kept him.
14: Well, are we talking about paying that Chris Jones that much money in Chicago? Caleb Jones?
3: Caleb well, Caleb Jones, Jones is, is nowhere near Darnell Nurse. Seth, uh, Seth Jones. Oh, Seth, Seth Jones. Well, yes, Caleb, which, oh, Caleb and Seth are both in Chicago. Yes, yeah, Seth is the bigger, the one. Seth the, is the, the, the better was. of the two, but that turned out to be a bad contract for the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, we'll see. You
14: know what, you guys? I don't know. I don't know a lot, but I learned a lot.
3: No, from I, think, you guys. I think
2: I think you know. No, this is I good think a just, lot, de- But like, I. And- I to quote our previewer, I reject the premise of your question. <laughs> okay. Well, no. I'm just afraid. I'm afraid that
14: Darnell Nurse is going to cost them a game or a series, like Steve Smith, Steve Smith in '86. Oh, that's, 86, that's such a
2: crap comparison, Rhonda. Come,
14: come Boy, on. Why? I'm just. That's, Steve I'm
2: Smith just made a myself. fluke mistake, and you're bringing that up somehow that Darnell Nurse is going to score on his own net. You no.
3: Know, like I just told you, my age.
2: Unfair. <laughs> yeah,
3: I they're, just Darnell so Nurse completely unfair. unfair. Yeah, Darnell Nurse has struggled in this series, 100%. 100% he struggled in this series. As for his contract next year, they overpaid him. But they, to, to, to fill his spot, you have to find someone that wants to come to Edmonton. You've got to remember, this is not an easy market to sell to a yes, superstar. No, I I so I, it, it, that contract, it could come back and haunt the Oilers. Absolutely it could. But Darnell Nurse, I, he will be in the lineup as long as he is capable of walking this series. That's true.
14: And as and as long as Darnell Nurse is in the lineup, the Oilers will never win a Stanley Cup.
2: Okay. Well, maybe. Okay. We'll never know until it happens or doesn't happen. Thanks I for I can tell
3: on you, on. I can I can tell any caller that if you go through the Oilers' star players, and we're talking the Leons and the Connors and the Hymans and the Canes, every one of them would have Darnell Nurse's back and would love him in the lineup every single night. Every single one of those players
2: all right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Sim on the line. Sim, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. We don't have Sim. Do we have Brian? Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Brian. Go ahead.
5: Hey, uh,
13: so you know what? I'm I'm going to side with you guys as far as Darnell Nurse goes. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously uh, a lot of these players that are quote unquote calling Nurse out have never played sports. And, or if they have, they've never played it injured. And, you know, the only thing that I would maybe say to, to in reference to Darnell Nurse is that, uh, you know, A, I applaud his guts, but, you know, maybe bring his ice time down a little bit. Maybe bring him into the second pairing. You know, you know. He just doesn't have what it takes to play the you know, the the twenty, twenty five minutes a game right at this point in time.
3: Yeah. You're ball- absolutely right. And that and that's it. The Oilers when they go home, they get last change and then they get decide on the defensive pairings and the lineup and stuff like that. I agree with you one hundred percent. I would look to put Kulak and Cece together and have them as your first pairing. I would move Darnell down. Probably he would play with Tyson Barry simply because Bouchard and Keith I've got a bit of chemistry. So he plays with Barry. You give him different minutes. And I would have Russell in the lineup as a seventh defenseman. And then he can play in certain situations. Because the one thing about Russell, you get the exact same every night. His his uh, ceiling isn't as high, but he always hits whatever his ceiling is. So I would go with seven defensemen. But Darnell Nurse would be in the lineup. But I would. You're right. I would put him in a different position, give him a better chance of success. Because right now, with whatever injury it is, the speed of the caller of Rado Avalanche first line, especially, has been able to take advantage at times of Darnell. You're 100% right.
2: All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. More of your calls ahead. You're also going to hear from Kulak and Hyman. Oilers are down two nothing in the series after a four nothing loss to the Avs. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line.
0: Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
2: Chad. Leckanen, Manson. Rantanen and McKinnon scoring for the Avalanche Francois with the uh, Fransuz, pardon me, with the 24 save shutout Avalanche over the Oilers 4 nothing tonight to go up 2 nothing in the best of 7. It is always a pleasure to hear from JP. Hello, JP. Go ahead.
11: I'm so glad you guys. Well, at first, I've been waiting forever and a damn day, but that's after listening to Rock Me Rhonda. I thought to myself, (laughs) my God, don't be, don't put me after her. I, uh, I need her phone number if you guys don't mind. Uh, but then let's get down to brass tacks. Rhonda would be fantastic, but let's get down to brass tacks. we Rob, how are you guys tonight for one? I'm ready to get down to brass tacks. Really? Wow, you're fired up. You're more pissed than me about this ever. Uh, this game tonight, but I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now, you guys. Uh, I watched tonight. I thought ah, maybe we we'll get the win. Maybe we we'll get the win. One of the worst ever by a lot of guys tonight. Mike Smith. Mike Smith show up tonight. This guy. This guy has a lot of pride. He pissed me off a lot of time. Nurse pissed me off a lot. I'm not going to get into nurse tonight. This guy, injured or not, I don't care to get into rock me around the uh, entire territory. But my space nice, show up tonight and show a lot of passion. A lot of passion. This guy had a rough game but not a bad game in the first just a team play like garbage. But I want to tell you guys right now, I made a prediction and I made a couple of predictions but I made this one. I'll never call again this show. I would delete Twitter, the whole bit gone. Six nothing this Saturday. Read, I want this played again like you did last time read 6 nothing this Saturday, I will be right on the ride. I'll be having a little <laughs> wine to start the night, a little stay, and then I'm going to just have one of the best nights of me life. when I phone in and say, I did it again. I did it again. 6 nothing this Saturday, this city is going to be just a rocking. Colorado, you don't know what the hell you in store for is coming. It's a snowstorm, and it's going to be a real... I'm telling you right now. I don't have a good day right now. You guys read wrong, Still Saturday, I'll
2: talk six now. All right. I wrote it down, JP. We'll mark the audio. Well it's right at ten o'clock. That's pretty good. JP's coming in hot. He uh called six nothing after game one against the Kings. He phoned in and said the orders would win game two, six nothing. He was correct. So he's saying six nothing again on Saturday. Yeah, I mean it looks. I mean, I, I, I get the uh, the pessimism right now for the Oilers. I mean, the Abs look good. But, I mean, we'll see. That's why you you play the games. You get them into your building. You got it. You got to take it. I mean, for Edmonton, you've played all this way. I mean, what we're coming up on hundred games, regular season and playoffs combined. Win a home game. Win a home game, and you give yourself life.
3: Well, you're not out of a series until you lose a home game. Uh, the Oilers, being the road team, being the team with fewer points during the regular season has to win a game in Colorado. They win their games at home, they have to win a game. No one says it had to be one of the first two, and it could be game five, it could be game seven. But you have to hold serve when you're on home ice. Now, the stress level is higher now. You can't afford to lose one of the next two games, being down 3-1 in Colorado, having two home games left. That just gives you, your margin of error becomes zero. So the others have to come out in game three and win game three. They're capable of doing it. Uh, but they have to be better. They, they weren't good enough in this this first two games. Colorado was the better hockey club in both games. And the Oilers have to come up with a different game plan. How do they combat the speed of Colorado? How do they stop the odd man breaks? What about McCarr? What about Taves? I mean, the, Devin, Devin Taves, a defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche, had a breakaway in the first three minutes of this hockey game. It was the first minute, actually. It was first so minute of the game. Yep. <laughs> he had a breakaway. I mean, and he's his breakaway started on probably the tops of his circles. These are things that can't happen. So I believe the others will be better on home ice. I believe the fans will give them an edge, but as a team, they've got to come up with ways to limit the chances Colorado has because Colorado has scored 12 goals in two games. And there's a number of grade A scoring chances they haven't capitalized on. The Oilers have given up too many easy, odd-man breaks in the first two games. They can't do that on home ice. All
2: right. We'll go to Gordon on the Certainty Hotline as well. Hey, Gordon, go ahead. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing well.
1: Awesome. Last time I talked to you guys was the Battle of Alberta, but it was 4 o'clock in the morning here. This time <laughs> least it's not that late, and you guys don't even have to ask me what was for breakfast. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to say I just wanted to say a few things about tonight's game. You know what? You guys were just talking about uh, Devontae's breakaway, those line changes. The Oilers got to clean up those line changes. Yep. They got to make them a lot better because that's what causes those odd man rushes. And these odd man rushes, these two-on-ones, it's like I I thought defensemen were taught at such a young age that you took the open man and the goalie took the shooter. And the two-on-ones that I've seen against the Oilers is their defenseman is staying on the shooter and they're leaving that open pass across the ice.
3: You're right. The, the, The rule of thumb is don't let the pass through. If the and through, and, and
1: those passes are, are connecting and the goal and the pucks are going in. Tonight yep. I see Darnell Nurse coming in on a two on one, and I don't know which defenseman it was. I believe it was Johnson for Colorado. He played it perfectly and Nurse didn't score.
2: Yeah, and it was McDavid the other side. So Johnson just said, I'm gonna go stand by McDavid.
3: And and yeah, that is a wise play play choice by Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> play yep. the percentages. Yeah, yeah, kind of, but
1: but he but obviously, he played a two-on-one. The defenseman takes the open man, let the goalie take the shooter. And I'm not seeing the Oilers doing that on defense. Anyways, people want to pick on Darnell Nurse all they want. You know what? The guy's playing. He's a warrior. We see other defensemen. We watch in the Rangers series. Ryan Lindgren for the Rangers. He's a warrior. Everybody's playing injured this time of year. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Look you've lost two games on the road you go home you win those two on the road you hold serve you go back to colorado 2-2 that's all you can ask for right there let's win these two games at home
3: 100 yeah, percent, absolutely
1: Robert. you guys have a great have a good weekend boys
2: yeah we will for sure appreciate it uh more of your calls in a couple of minutes we want to go back to denver game from brett kulak and zach hyman
8: uh zach you had a really good first period especially the penalty kill five on three and what transpired there in those two minutes i mean it just seems like one goal snowballed into another so what do you what did you see in the second period
12: yeah i don't know three goals and i don't know how long it was five minutes or whatever it was uh i wish that changed the game Those was five you know five minute laps there i thought we were playing well uh two there at that point like you mentioned the first i thought we played well had to deal with penalties kill them off you know that should be a momentum builder for us right uh, and it was and then we just had a five minute lag there in the second and they got three there and then shut it right down
7: uh, zach maybe the battle for the middle of the ice at both ends of the ice do you feel like you guys are having a tough time breaking through in the middle of the ice and even in front of their goaltender tonight at times
12: yeah i mean they're a good team they they play fast they've got you know elite skaters on the back end that are able to break the puck out fast and move through the neutral zone pretty fast um but I mean, yeah, we, we got to do a better job of getting to the paint. We got to do a better job of forechecking and, and sustaining pressure in the ozone. I don't think we've done a good enough job. I think at times, you know, when we're, when we're doing it, we're doing it well and we're holding on to the pucks and we, you know, you can see, you know, what works. Uh, I just don't think it's happening enough.
5: Right side, Mark.
7: Brett, did you, uh, can you try to explain to us out here what happens or what it's like playing? When they get into that momentum thing, they they find momentum and it ramps up awful fast. What's it like being on the ice for that?
9: Yeah, I mean, uh, tonight I didn't get caught out there, but I remember last game I got caught out there. And you know, they they've had times where they've made a couple, cycled through a couple line changes, and hemmed us in our own zone and. Uh, any time no matter what team you're playing against when you get tired your legs get heavy and if they're able to get fresh legs on it doesn't matter who it is but especially against this team they can cycle and they all get moving they all get activated the the d's are coming down finding holes offensively and and uh they do a good job at that so uh yeah it's it's just a matter of limiting that those situations and just simplifying doing a better job as defensemen to, to to clean up our puck play in our zone in the middle
7: Zach, for a lot of the meaningful minutes here, they've carried the bulk of play through a couple of games. How do you guys, you know, sort of generate the belief against this group through two games, you know, maybe when there hasn't been a ton to hang your hats on so far?
12: Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're still a confident group. It's a, it's a series, right? This is, this is how it goes. Is there's momentum swings. There's, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. They, they defend at home ice, so we have an opportunity to go back home feed off our crowd, you know, get the momentum back, right? So I, I think we've done a really good job playing at home. We've done a really good job throughout this year, uh when we've won our backs have been against the wall, facing adversity, pushing back. And I think that uh, this is a big opportunity for us to do that.
4: Back row, Josh. And and just Zach, like going home, um, what what's the mindset for this group? Do you have to change you guys have to change things or do you have to go back to, to your to your base, whatever's been successful for you? Like what do you guys have to do to, to get back in this series?
12: Yeah, I mean you gotta protect home ice. That's huge. You gotta go back home starts with the first one obviously um i think you know first game can show that we can score against these guys i think that that's uh you know we'll get back to that get back to our game i think that you know there are things that we can do better obviously but i think that we're confident in our abilities and we're confident in in our structure and our system that if we maintain that and and we you know elevate our game i think that you know we'll be we'll be just fine. We haven't gotten to the level that we want to get to yet. It's not a matter of um, our structure. It's a matter of doing it over and over again to you know at an elite level.
2: All right, that's Hyman and Kulak. After the Oilers are shut out for nothing by the Avalanche, who lead the best of seven West final, two nothing. Back to the Certainty Hotline. Gregory has called in tonight. Hi, Gregory. Go ahead.
13: Hey, Reed and Rob. How are you guys tonight? Good. Good just a comment on the on the game i'm with jp uh... i think everybody knows that the team uh... uh they had a real stinker tonight but if it wasn't for that hundred twenty four seconds where they lost their mind this game would have looked uh, quite a bit differently. We uh, we played poor, but uh, you know Colorado didn't come through and uh, and do all that much better themselves. That 124 seconds is the whole story in the game. Saturday night, I'm with JP, six nothing. Let's go Oilers. Uh,
2: I would argue that. <laughs> It was just – it got to be a for, – for me, I mean, I, I, I understand what Gregory is saying, but I also think Colorado will chance the others pretty badly.
3: Colorado was a better team. They deserved the win. Uh, I think they have done – they did a fantastic job on both Connor and Leon in this game. Uh, we've seen Connor and Leon dominate, and they limited their chances. Um, Colorado was better in – I would say just every aspect of the game tonight, but ha- having said that it's one game and the others have yet to play a home game. Uh, they win game three. The series is completely changed, but they have to be better. If the effort that they had through the first two games, especially five of the six periods is not good enough to beat the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see game three. What happens if there's any changes, if there's lineup, if Yamamoto's good enough to play or healthy enough to play, um, it, it, we'll see, but the Edmonton Oilers are going home uh, with you know a two, 0-2 record, and it is a deserved 0-2 record. because Colorado was better?
2: Yeah, the Oilers only had 11 shots on goal in the final two periods, and and a lot of times when a team is down three goals in the second half of the game, they wind up out shooting the other team just because they're throwing everything at the net. But it, it, the Oilers, I mean, the Oilers couldn't even to me get a lot of cheap shots tonight not not cheap shots like punching no stuff. i know like what you mean yeah cheap yeah. shots on goal like get across the blue line and dump it in they just they just didn't have the puck
3: well colorado kept them to the outside colorado was good and uh, that was the best i've seen a team back pressure the others and a big reason they can do that is they're so fast i mean this is a team that uh, they work hard they're fast and if they don't have the puck they're hunting it down and that just i mean connor mcdavid and leon if they have a split second to make a play they're going to burn you so they're trying to limit the, uh, the amount of time that they can think. And uh, the biggest thing for me is, in Colorado, uh, they were able to match up McCar and Taves against McDavid. And you talked about it before this series started, that the one thing that scared you was Kale McCarr, his ability to skate. And Connor McDavid will eat alive any defenseman that is slow afoot. I don't care how big, how mean, how physical, it doesn't matter. You can't catch him. But Akeel Makar and over the course of these two games, uh, Taves, they show the ability to stay with him, to limit his time and space, to keep him to the outside. They can skate with him. And that's something that we haven't seen very often this year because uh, these two defensemen are special. They are both Norris Trophy type of defensemen. They're that good.
2: Okay, Avalanche, take it 4 nothing. A few more of your calls when we get back to Heartland Ford overtime open line.
0: Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio. Six thirty, Chad.
2: All right. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. 10:16. Oilers beaten four nothing by the Colorado Avalanche tonight. Outshot 40-24. Uh, first period was scoreless. Avs got three and 2:04 in the second period. McKinnon got a power play goal with 4:40 left in the third. The uh, Avalanche wound up going 1-4-7 on the power play. The Oilers took uh, three penalties in the final four minute. Uh, yeah, what five minutes of the game with. Uh, a little bit of f- frustration from Evander Kane and Darnell Nurse and others. Uh, the orders 0 for two on their power play. So that is the summary tonight. As we have David jumping on the Certainty Hotline. Hey, David, go ahead. David, do we have you? Yes, hello. Yes, go My ahead, own? sir. Yeah, you're on the yeah. air. Sorry, sorry, it took me a
6: while, I wasn't sure if I was going to go on or not. I, I missed the first part of your show, so I'm sure you guys already covered this, but, like, what happened, you know, the first period, they were really toe-to-toe with the avalanche. They killed off a five-on-three, like, they were in the game. And I just, you know, your opinion is, like, how how, how did that shift happen all of a sudden, after one goal, and this thing just fell apart?
3: Oh, well, in all honesty, I don't think it was after the, the one goal it fell apart. I think the Colorado avalanche, before that, had been pressing. I thought the first period... The Avalanche came out in the first eight to 10 minutes were by far the better team. The Oilers killed off the five on three, which was huge. And they carried the play for the most part of the second half, but they had a couple power plays. Or I, th- I think that's when they missed on their power. They didn't score in their power plays, which hurt. But I think the Colorado Avalanche, before they got their three goals, had taken over the play again. And the Oilers had no answers. As Reed said a little while ago, 11 shots in the last 40 minutes of the game. And that's a team that's chasing. So it was uh, the Colorado Avalanche are, are good, they're very good, and the Edmonton Oilers have just not found the the spark or found the 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 right uh, chemistry or the right moves to 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 be able to combat against what Colorado does so well. Colorado is a very good transitional team, and the Oilers so far through two games have been very poor at puck management, and that has cost them.
2: Yeah, David, I, I, I mean I, I'm going to have to slightly disagree with you. I don't think the Oilers did go toe-to-toe with them in the first period. I mean, just some of the highlights I wrote down. Forty seconds into the game, the Taves end-to-end rush. Three minutes into the game, Lekkanen open shot on the left side. Big save by Smith. Five minutes into the game, Rantanen wide open left side. Smith makes the save. Six minutes into the game, McKinnon wide open on the right side. Smith makes the save. Um, (laughs) Like, I... I, I, well,
3: first, it should have been two nothing at the halfway mark of the first period. Colorado Avalanche were flying, yeah, and it should have been two nothing. The the penalty being killed off did give the Oilers some life, but then period two came, and the Avalanche just started doing what they did to start the game again. Yeah, and the Oilers uh, just had no answers. Um, the
2: Oilers' two they, best chances in the first period. Puljuhvi was right in front of the net. Remember that puck took that yeah, weird bounce. Yeah, that like was that was right weird. In front of the net. And then Mm -hmm. CeCe tried that shot from center. Those were the Oilers' two best chances in the first period.
3: Maybe in the game. I I don't keep track of grade A scoring opportunities, but it was completely lopsided in Colorado's favor tonight.
2: Yeah, and I think it started before they scored. Like I.
3: Yep, no, I agree 100%. They controlled the game. Okay,
2: Jamie's on the line as well. Jamie, thanks for calling. Hey, how are you doing, Reed? Good. Uh,
6: That's good. Um, I just wanted to comment, you know, it's people like Rhonda that have. Run so many good players out of Edmonton. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of the armchair uh, GMs need to, you know, quite honestly, shut up unless they play the game at that level. Um, that's my first comment. My second comment: as a former ref uh, who's ref at uh, junior A level, I am absolutely disgusted with the officiating I'm seeing uh, in the in the playoffs right now.
2: Oh, really? How um, come?
6: Well. The fact that you've got players water skiing on McDeaton McDavid and Dreisaitl and other players, uh, a lot of the uh, dives that are missed and not uh, penalized by the league, that the fines, um, those are, you know, I can point to the, uh, the cross check dive in the L.A. series as, as one. The Superman goal in the L.A. series, you know, there's no consistency on what's considered goaltender interference or basically, uh, you know, uh, replays on goals. I did not agree with the league on their uh, calling on the goal that uh, kind of got the ball rolling the other night, the first game in Colorado. Um, the amount that McKinnon has gotten away with, like uh, for example, they showed a, an amazing highlight where McKinnon got a punch to the face from Yamamoto, but you know they, what they also show there is McKinnon grabbing Yamamoto's jersey as Yamamoto's trying to pass him. That's a penalty in any other league but the NHL. That's a penalty. You cannot grab a jersey, somebody's stick or anything like that, chicken wing a stick. That's a penalty. And quite frankly, I've seen too much of that. So I, I just—I—I I, I understand Clark. what
2: you're saying, Jamie. I, I just, I, I agree with you to an extent and I don't think the Oilers are angels by any means. I mean, there's... No, I don't, I'm not saying they are. I, I, I just don't know. Th- there's sort of that culture in hockey that that's the playoffs, right? The, the line gets extended. As to what you have to do to commit a penalty. You know what I mean?
6: Yeah, well, I, I agree. But I, I actually uh you know, I disagreed with the first penalty edmondson took in the in the period. I actually if I was one of the on ice officials, I would have actually given a penalty to Landiscott. That was not a clean hit. Uh from scott That was a one of the dirtiest hits I've seen in this series so far. And Linusgaard's got a history of getting away with this. Uh, you know that's where my my opinion is. Uh, I've stated it. They need to clean up the officiating. I think this. I'm going to go back to Mario. This is a garbage league when it comes to officiating. It's an absolute joke how the uh, how the NHL basically
3: uh, calls games.
2: You know, Jamie, if Gary Bettman is listening, he's never going to allow
3: you to call into me again. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure Gary's listening. I read. <laughs>
6: As far as I'm concerned, Gary Bettman needs to go. He's the worst thing that's happened to the NHL in, uh, in its history. Uh, yes, it's been good for the owners. It's been good for the bottom line. But for fair play and clean play and proper officiating in this league, him and his uh, crony, uh, um, Bill Daly. Colin Campbell. Uh, oh,
3: Campbell. No, Colin yeah. Campbell.
6: Yeah, because, you know, quite frankly, I, I, you know, I actually call the fact that Colin Campbell, like, this is something that goes back uh, to the Vancouver, I think it was Vancouver-Boston series. Colin Campbell should not have been actually running the uh, player safety at that time considering his son was playing for one of the two teams. Yeah. that was okay. That's a definitive conflict of
2: interest. JV, we appreciate it, man. Call any time, okay? Yeah, well, Thanks, I, I, I know if you uh, we know We know people that sometimes need to, to vent or whatever. That's fine. Well, I'll tell you what, Gary Bettman's been good for the 10 hockey fans in Arizona because pretty sure they're going to have a little <laughs> rink all to themselves to go watch the
3: games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I, I've never understand. Uh, and I, someone would have to sit down and tell me why they put so much effort to keep a, a team in a city that's never really cared for them. To the point where you you could go for 20 bucks, get a hot dog, a beer, a parking spot, and a hockey ticket, and still not sell out. And now have a rink of 4,500 people. I don't understand it. I really don't, because there are some hockey-starved cities out there that would love to have an NHL team. Well, you team, could put so. a
2: second team in Claire Drake Arena in Edmonton,
3: and get like, <laughs> well. Shit. We got Jerome McGinley Arena here in <laughs> St. Albert. I mean, we could have that. I think we fit 600 people, so close enough. <laughs>
2: I'm obviously being a little cheeky there. I, I did ask. Oh, Bet I wasn't. About, I was serious. <laughs> I did ask Bettman about that when I interviewed him. But like I said, he's so good at spinning it, taking it. He just well, it's temporary. It's temporary okay well technically everything's <laughs>
3: temporary but, <laughs> it's a long temporary but, uh, five J- years Jamie
2: was pretty passionate uh I, I would say my beefs about the refereeing and the officiating in the playoffs is, are much uh milder than jamie's but uh I, I do appreciate his uh his opinion and uh if we had more time where we're doing one of our reffing shows we probably would have spent more time with him but uh, uh i think officiating was not the the cause of the orders for nothing lost tonight by any means we also have dean standing by hey dean go ahead
13: Hey, Robert Reed, how's it going? Pretty good. Gary Bevan's definitely listening, so don't get cancelled, all right? We need (laughs) (laughs) you. Thanks for being patient with us as the commentators and uh, more importantly as callers. Uh, You know, first off, everyone getting mad at nurse He's got an injury. Imagine going to work with a poor muscle tear every day and, you know, coming out on top of it. So give him something to hang his hat on and he'll come back and be better for next game. That's first off, let's be positive as fans. Uh, they're killing us in our neutrals on attack, boys. Yep. What, what, what are we doing? We feel like we're kind of making unforced errors when we shouldn't be. We're losing momentum doing this. Like, are they just that much faster? Or are you guys seeing that we're just not keeping up to their pace? Or are we not playing at our best? Because as Sutter kind of said that one time, is like you know they, he mentioned playing – Uh, are we doing everything we can maybe maybe they're just better than us and i'm not saying that we can't be better i'm just saying that as is a very good team and we can't just sit back and blame our players for not being good i think we're in a very tough series and we're in a tough position what's your guys thoughts?
3: yeah really good points and and you're 100 percent right sometimes you you look at the mistakes you make and you blame them on your players when you look at take a closer look and you realize well That's because that guy, the Colorado guy, was there so fast. He forced you to make that error. He didn't give you the opportunity. He didn't give you the time and space. So, yes, the Oilers have made some unforced errors that were without pressure. But I think a lot of the stuff that's happening is Colorado is good. And there's there's no secret between teams. Colorado knows exactly what the strengths of the Oilers are, and it knows what the weaknesses are. And right now, they've been preying on the weaknesses and taking advantage of them. Now the Oilers have got to come back and into Game Three and try to figure out. Okay, here's what was working. Here's what's not working. How can we tweak it? What can we do better? I I don't know if the Oilers. Well, I I change that. I do know that the Oilers have never played a team with the speed that Colorado has. They are fast, top to bottom. They don't have a. It's not like they can throw one or two lines out there, then three and four plod along. Their third and fourth lines are incredibly fast too, and they just go nonstop. And I think that is at times has caused incredible havoc for this Oiler team because they're used to coming through the neutral zone. Okay, here we go. I got a We got an odd man break. And all of a sudden, the three-on-two turns into a three-on-four. And then the player that you think you're going to have wide open isn't open. Now you're forcing something that isn't there. You're forcing a pass or you're trying to flip it past someone, and they're just too good. So I think in the first two games, the Oilers, let's say they played at 70% of capability. And let's say that the Colorado Avalanche, was 100% at their capability and that's why the Oilers lost Colorado was just a better team the Oilers can still win this series they can still win game three but through two games and six periods the Colorado Avalanche are showing why for most of the year they were the best team in the NHL they are good top to bottom
2: all right we also have Steph on the line hi Steph thanks for calling hey Robin
14: Reed can you hear me yes Okay, perfect. Uh, My first time calling, uh, it felt like a sign when I heard Rhonda because I listen to your show all the time and I never hear any women, so I felt like tonight was my night. I
2: I wish more women would call, honestly, (laughs) because I know there are a lot of female fans.
14: Yeah. So um, I just want to talk a little bit about Woodcroft. I am a huge fan. I've been a fan of him for years, been following him with the Condors. Um, I think he's been absolutely amazing for us. I think he's been amazing in these playoffs. Um, I, I found I was having kind of my first concerns today. Two of my favourite things about him are that he has such good attention to detail and he makes these little tweaks even when things aren't going well for us, which is why I feel like we've been able to be so resilient. Um, and I find that in his games I feel so comforted listening to him even after a loss and i I thought it was a little bit strange today i felt like i didn't see him making those same tweaks that we usually would and then i felt like he had a different energy in his post game i mean i know he's under a lot of pressure right now but he seemed a little defensive and i'm just wondering do you think that um you know maybe he is finally starting to get out coached in these playoffs do you think maybe um you know, we just need to kind of hang on and, and see what he does when we're at home. What do you think about okay. um, how you know, he's doing right now?
2: Okay, Steph, here's what we are got to do. I've got to get the news and weather in. I, I jotted down some of your points because I think those are those are very interesting discussion points. So we will dive into them, but we uh, we got to let our newsroom actually do their job here because we've been hogging a lot of the time. So we'll take a quick timeout. Uh, it's Hartlett-Ford overtime open line. Oilers lose 4 nothing to the Avs.
0: hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 chair.
2: Avalanche beat the Oilers 4-0. They lead the West Final two games to nothing. So we, we had Steph call in. I think Steph's still on the line. Uh, yeah. So, Steph, one thing you said was, and I'll, I'll handle this first part, Rob, uh, about Woodcroft sounding maybe a little bit defensive. In the post game, yeah. Steph, you've probably been a sports fan for a long time. I've been interviewing coaches for over twenty years. The losing coach usually doesn't say as much, <laughs> and I that honestly, that's from high school football right up to the NHL, and I've covered everything in between. Um,
4: yeah,
8: that's
2: fair. Uh, but you made a, you made another question about outcoached in-game adjustments did he wait too long tonight rob what do you what do you think i mean i guess no, you could I, have I, put leon leon and connor back sooner in the game back together sooner in the game i don't know
3: you could have the, the problem with that when putting connor and leon together is then your other lines are going to get eaten up because the the colorado avalanche have great depth uh sometimes as a coach uh you look better as a coach because you have the better team and sometimes as a coach you don't look as good because everything you try doesn't work as well because your team's not as good and in these two games I think part of it was that the Colorado Avalanche were the better team and the Edmonton Oilers seemed to be chasing Uh, I think I agree I think Jay Woodcroft's a a wonderful coach I think uh, the Oilers are very fortunate to have him I think he's going to sign a long-term deal and he's this team is going to continue to improve Uh, but any coach will tell you that all tweaks don't work And I think sometimes we were spoiled over the first, what is it, two months, three months that we've had, Jay, is everything that he did worked worked well. And you expected that magic to always be there. It doesn't always work that way. I mean, in the last series, uh, there's a lot of people that believe Woodcroft outcoached Daryl Sutter. Well, Daryl Sutter was the coach of the year this year. So Daryl Sutter tried things in his series that didn't work. So the coach of the year in the National Hockey League at times tweak things in his playoff series that did not work out. So I have full faith in Jay Woodcroft as a coach. I think he gets the most out of his players, but on this, in this occasion, the last two games, he just, his he and his team ran up against a team that was just simply better through two games.
14: Yeah, that's fair. I think um, that's kind of what I expected you to say. I was just wanted to hear your expert opinion. I, <laughs> I still love Jay, I still believe in him. I hope we have him for many, many years.
3: I believe we will, and those are great questions. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, I, I, mean, I would. Th- thank you, Steph. I, I would think he would be back. It's always interesting talking about, you know, a coach being a oh, coached because sometimes it does just come down to talent or or mm-hmm. goaltending. Th- there are there are important decisions. How much of coaching happens in a game? How much ha- happens in the video room or in practices? uh you know it's it's very complicated i i think
3: well read you know, too another thing too is it's not it's not always x's and o's it's it's how you treat the players how you get the most out of the players do you are you hardline are you soft i mean uh, your rapport with players do they, do the players want to play for you those are things too that don't get talked about as much as you know did he change lines uh, what kind of forecheck did he did what kind of penalty killing a lot of it is Most of these players, there's not a whole lot of different X's and O's out there anymore, and there's no secrets. So a lot of it is how do you get a player to buy in to do the things he doesn't want to do? And in the playoffs, a lot of the teams that are successful and the teams that go on into the Final Four and into the win the Stanley Cup, their players bought in. Guys that don't normally block shots, block shots. Guys that aren't physical, throwing their body around, taking hits to make a play. All of these things are players buying in that they don't do during the regular season on a consistent basis. The best coaches are the ones that get their players to buy in and believe in the system, believe in the, uh, in, in the structure. And that's why I, I like a lot of what Jay Woodcroft has done because this team was going in the wrong direction. It was flailing. It was not playing good defense at all. And that was for a coach that was known for his defensive structure. And Jay Woodcroft got them to buy in. So that's why I like Jay Woodcroft as a coach. Yeah. I mean, we had
2: somebody call in at the end of the Calgary series and said, did, did, did Woodcroft outcoach Sutter? Well, I don't know. I mean, today Sutter won coach of the year. I I don't think Sutter uh, told Johnny Goudreau good things all season long so he had a career year and then stopped telling him those things in the playoffs. I mean, sometimes just a a player doesn't play well. Or, yeah, you might in a playoff game pushing the right button but five minutes too late could cost you a game, right? I mean, I think it's very – it can be very complex. And let's face it, a coach – I don't think a coach can affect a team more than one level. Like, a really crappy, crappy hockey team can't be turned into a contender by a great coach. Maybe they could go from crappy to below average. You know, like, I I know when the Oilers were really bad and finishing in the bottom three in the league year after year or, you know, last place a couple times, we got a lot of, like, well, they're well coached. Okay, well, maybe in some instances they weren't but a better coach, so what, you finish 30th with a better coach, you're 25th? Like, there's well, still a like lot of work to do with the roster. It's
3: like the Arizona Coyotes this year. They could have had Scotty Bowman coach them. They were not going to be a playoff hockey club. So a coach can only do so much. He, he needs talent, and he needs a goaltender. And if he doesn't have both of those, he's not going to have success at the National Hockey League level.
2: Okay, we got Will on the line as well. Hi, Will. Go ahead. Good evening, Reid. Hey. Yeah, d- just uh, a comment on tonight's game. Or
13: it, it seems to me that uh, Colorado is uh, making a little—they're they're a little more precise with moving the puck and the transition game. They—they're tape to tape, whereas our guys they, they kind of take their time. They try to slow the game down, and and the, the passes aren't crispy. To me, that's been the big difference uh, that, I, that I noticed. Uh, I think if the Oilers can, uh, players losing the McKinnon battle, we'd...
2: we might have lost Will.
3: Okay. I think where have... it looked like where he was going. That if the Oilers lose the McKinnon-McDavid battle, they're in trouble, big time. A- yes. And I agree. And I, I I absolutely agree. McKinnon is great, but McDavid has to win that battle because there's other places that the Colorado Avalanche well, have an advantage definitely. And was.
2: that's why I brought up McCar because if McDavid and McKinnon are tied,
3: then McCar, the Oilers don't have he, an answer, right? No, he, he he's he's great He is so good a play, hockey player. He is so good. There's a couple times that McDavid came down on him tonight, and, and McCar is able to stay with him. The way that he adjusts his body, he turns and then jumps up in the play. And that's what's key. If you're playing against great players, the best way to, to defeat them or to slow them down is to play in their end. And that's what Makar does. So when he's out there, he and Taves, if there's a turnover, they're gone and the puck is out of their zone. And now all of a sudden, Connor and Leon are chasing. And you're taking away 10, 20, 30, 40 seconds of their offensive time. And I think that's the biggest thing that Colorado did, especially in tonight's game, is it didn't let Connor and Leon lean on them offensively for long stretches. And
2: I, I thought Will made a good point. First of all, the Avalanche are, are good at pressuring, pressuring the puck, mm-hmm. pressuring the puck carrier, pressuring a defenseman going back to retrieve a puck. And then the Oilers have also made unforced errors and how much of that, though, is the result of them assuming they're going to be under pressure when maybe it's not as... It, it's like, well, why do you hit the quarterback in the first quarter? So in the fourth quarter, maybe he feels like he's a little rushed and he doesn't have time to throw the ball. I, I think that's that's happening as well. The Oilers are... I mean, maybe th- I personally, I think they're probably a little rattled by the Colorado pressure. Yep, so I agree. So the first two times you go... On your first shift, you go back to retrieve the puck twice and, and you don't have time well now that's in your head the rest of the game and and you might make a poor play even when you do have time
3: well we see that a lot when uh, Cassian and Archibald are out and and they throw that big hit then you as a player you always know who you're playing against there's a great uh picture tonight during the game where Connor McDavid was taking a face off and before he put his stick down he looked around to see who all the avalanche players that were on the ice you always want to know who you're playing against because there's certain players again, going down his side. Okay. That guy's out here. I got to keep my head coming through the middle. Okay. McKinnon's out. Here. Okay. Got to make sure I don't turn the puck over. So when a Cassian or an Archibald are on the ice and you're a defender and the last time they were out here, they just ran me face first into the glass. Now I know when I get that puck, I'm throwing it. Or I'm all of a sudden you see guys with alligator arms where they just pull back and they they're like, I'm not taking this hit. So that's what happens over the course of a game. If you are always hard on the forecheck, you're forcing those players to make plays before they want to. Eventually, they just start throwing the puck away. And we saw that as this game went on. The others didn't feel they had enough time, and they'd throw the puck away, and all of a sudden they look up, hmm, actually I had a little more time this time. You get uh, stage fright, or you get a little, you get nervous. And we saw that tonight time and time again.
2: Okay, we also have Sir Robert calling in this evening. Hey, Sir Robert, go ahead. Uh, Hey, boys, how you doing?
4: Good. Well, well, I mean uh, I got to say this, this series in my opinion is it's not over. They're only down two games. They win the next two in Edmonton it, it's a best-of-three you never know what can happen. Um, frankly in my opinion a team like Colorado being a, being as as quick and as fast as they are and the fact that the fact that as you guys were mentioning that it's, that it's not just one or two lines it's all all four of their lines are fast. To me, with the Oilers, I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily about especially with the Oilers' mm-hmm. third and fourth lines. I don't think you can't. Uh, Thank the, you for your cooperation. The Oilers, I guess, like, they they can't. Uh, I mean, like the, the third and fourth lines of Edmonton can't match that speed. So I think, I think for the Oilers, best thing they can do, you got to try and uh, you got to try and wear. I guess try and. I guess trying to wear those guys down. You got to hit them. You got to be physical. You, like uh, I mean, and as far as uh, as far as the you know like uh, the defense goes, and you know uh, the goaltending. I mean, I mean you got to stay with Smith because I mean Smith's the guy. Smith got us here. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna suddenly say now, well, okay, oh, okay, you know we're down two nothing in the series. Okay, Klasen, and you go in for the next five, right? So you know, and uh, and uh, I guess. Uh, a uh, one more quick one here, you know. I, you know, I mean, you know, like you know, like we're not going to be. I don't see any point in bringing in any of the guys who have been who have been called up from the minors unless unless you absolutely have to. I think think at this stage of the game, the best of the best. The best thing for those guys is to get is to get reps in practice, see what it's like at this level at this time, watch the games and le- and learn from there sir
2: so robert i heard a voice uh, about a minute ago do you have a protocol droid like c-3po
4: no no that's no 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 that's not no that's actually that's 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 just a voice on the on the uh on the uh uh, uh, uh city buses and down oh
2: okay i thought you had an entourage <laughs> no.
3: <laughs>
4: yeah no it's yeah no uh, yeah no uh Sadly, I wish, but I don't.
2: <laughs> All right. No, appreciate it, buddy. Have a good night.
4: All right. Thanks, guys.
2: All right, that is Sir Robert, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. we got to call a uh, timeout here. Back for some final thoughts. Heartland Ford, Overtime, open line.
5: Hey, you, put down your phone. <laughs> yeah, you, you're driving. The road is way more important to focus on than a text message or email right now. It's Grand Fedora, and at Leading Edge Physio, we don't want to see you injured in an accident or otherwise. If we can get people to stop texting and driving, hopefully there will be less accidents. Bad for business? Not at all. Our business is about looking out for people, and there's already way too many ways for the body to break down. We can fix those instead. LeadingEdgePhysio.com. Please put down the phone when driving and check us out when you get home.
0: Live Oilers hockey is brought to you by Friesen Brothers. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reid Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
2: 4 nothing Avalanche over the Oilers. WHL takes over Rogers Place tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. It is the Oil Kings against Seattle in the league final. Rob, uh, Dylan Gunther has scored in uh, nine. He scored, but he's scored in uh, 11 of the 13 playoff games the Oil Kings have played. Uh, I mean, they got I'd, Jake Neighbors, Caden Gooley. Yeah, been
3: incredible. I'd like to take credit for for Dylan as I had him at NAX, but. He was already a better shooter than me in U15 (laughs) hockey, so it's all God-given talent. The kid is good. The Oil Kings are good. I'm just sad that my Blazers from Kamloops weren't able to beat Seattle and be here to be part of this series, but uh, Brad Lauer's got his team playing very, very well, and I fully expect the Oil Kings to move on and win the championship and go on to the Memorial Cup.
2: Yeah, they got an incredible team this year, and they are favored in that series. And also, if it goes seven, five of the seven games will be here at Rogers Place because of uh, school graduations kicking Seattle out they're building for potential. Well, either would have been game five or six, if depending on if they would have done 2-3-2 two, two or 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Though I do believe, and they get to fly in this series, Rob, which is somewhat ironic because Seattle's a closer drive than Winnipeg, and the Wildcats <laughs> case well, to drive
3: to and- Winnipeg. And uh, what you've seen throughout the National Hockey League playoffs, the NHL teams are actually driving across the border because of COVID rules. So it's yeah, kind well, of weird the that they are flying that in to this go to one. to Denver,
2: yeah. So
3: yeah, the Oilers, that's,
2: even to go to Denver, the orders flew to Vancouver, bust across to Bellingham, and then flew into, uh, into Denver. So, yeah. All right. Well, Rob, uh, I'll see you Saturday. Huge yeah, game! I'm looking forward the, to it. This is the fun part of the year because the next game is always the biggest game of the year. So we'll see if the Oilers can answer the bell.
3: It, it, the series starts when the Oilers get their first win, and the Edmonton Oilers have a chance on uh, Saturday night to do that. I, I'm excited. I, I'm looking forward to another fun hockey game.
2: All right, so Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Bob Stoffer, the usual host, will be uh, traveling back. Cam Moon's going to sit in tomorrow. Always good to have uh, Mooner on 6.30, Ched. I will not have inside sports tonight because we got the Elks' second and final preseason game. 5.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game will start at 7 at Commonwealth. The next game broadcast, of course, Saturday night, 4 o'clock for the face-off show. Puck drop at 6.30 right here at Rogers Place. Game 3, Oilers against the Avalanche. The Avs are up 2-0 in the series after a 4-0 win tonight. Get more on 630 chetcom or globalnews.ca. Oilers hockey presented by by Friesen Brothers. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.